Thank you very much, Ben. And uh, hello to all of you at home, Jubilee Church. It's great to be with you this morning. Um, as uh, mentioned, this morning we're going to be continuing our series on prioritising God's presence, where we're considering um, the way of Jesus, the choices that he made whilst here on earth to keep his relationship with his father as his number one priority. And then thinking about how we can apply those things to our lives here today in 21st century UK. I'd like to begin by just emphasizing again that um, this preaching series isn't meant to be some sort of um, to-do list that leaves us all feeling a little bit uh, burdened. In fact, one of the, uh, one of the passages uh, that inspired this series is from Matthew 11, where Jesus invites those who are feeling weary and heavy laden to come to him and to find rest because he says his yoke is easy and his burden is light. And what we're hoping to explore together through this series is just what that easy yoke looks like. Uh, what can we learn from the way that Jesus lived his life as well as from what he taught? And this morning's topic is prayer, which is such an enormous part of prioritizing our relationship with God um, that it's been difficult to know what to focus on. After all, if we define prayer as time and conversation with God, well, time and conversation are how we develop any relationship, aren't they? Uh, what's more, Jesus, plus lots of people far wiser than I since, have had a lot to say on the subject of prayer. But as I've mentioned, um, our series is focusing on what Jesus did, on how he spent his time on earth. So what we're going to do this morning is we're going to whiz through the book of Luke, which is one of the accounts of Jesus's time on earth. And we're going to look at a few examples um, of when Jesus went to pray. And from them, we're going to pick out some key principles about living a life of prayer. Next week, we'll get more practical and think a bit about how we can apply these principles to our own lives. It's worth noting uh, before we begin that I'm talking this morning and next week about our individual prayer lives. Praying all together is, is a whole other topic that we don't have time to talk about. Um, but let me say how much I miss gathering with all of you in person to pray and look forward to when we can do that again. So we're going to jump in uh, to the book of Luke, like I said, and we're going to start in chapter 5, beginning at verse 15. If you've got a Bible, uh, do feel free to flick to the passages, or they will also hopefully come up on the screen as I'm speaking. So Luke chapter 5, verses 15 and 16 says this. Yet the news about him spread all the more, so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. The first thing that we can see about Jesus's prayer life is that he prayed regularly. The word used uh, in this translation that we just read is often. And the original words that were written in, in Greek, they convey a sense of continually. Jesus was continually withdrawing and praying. And as we read through the Gospels, through the stories of his life, we can see time and time again, Jesus would withdraw from the crowds to spend time with God. Prayer was important to Jesus, and so he made time for it. Now, let's just take a moment and consider that this is Jesus, the son of God, of one being with the father. 
If he felt it important to take time away from the busyness of his ministry to be alone with his father, I can't help but wonder how much more do I need to do the same? Jesus knew that he needed to be with God in order to do everything else. So he made space for that to happen. We've said it before in this series, but I'll just say it again. Prioritizing God's presence doesn't necessarily mean a less busy life. I mean, Jesus was a pretty busy guy, but it does mean a less busy heart as we do everything from a place of resting in God. One writer on prayer said this, when you know that you, like Jesus, can't do life on your own, then prayer makes complete sense. If we think we can do life on our own, we will not take prayer seriously. Our failure to pray will always feel like something else, a a lack of discipline or too many obligations. Jesus knew that he couldn't do life on his own, and so he made time to pray regularly. I mentioned uh, that passage from Matthew 11, verses 28 to 30 earlier, where Jesus invites the weary to come and find rest in him. And the message version of the Bible puts that passage like this. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I'm a big fan um, of that last sentence. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace because I think that it expresses something of the balance involved in living a life of regular prayer. You see, we need rhythms, we need structure, we need routines, but they can be full of and driven by grace. The reality is, prioritizing prayer is hard. I mean, certainly that's been my experience in my life. Finding a regular time to be with God can be challenging. Next week, we'll have the chance to hear how different people in our church family pray. But for all of us, it takes self-discipline to choose to pray regularly when we're tired and surrounded by many other demands. But Jesus promises that if we do, he will give us rest. So let's choose to come to him regularly and learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Let's move on through Luke and see another occasion where Jesus prays. We're now in uh, Luke chapter 6. I'm going to start at verse 12. It says this. At about that same time, he climbed the mountain to pray. He was there all night in prayer before God. The next day, he summoned his disciples From them, he selected 12 he designated as apostles. This is just one example of many that shows us that Jesus prayed before big moments. He was praying all night and then he chose the 12 apostles. It seems to me that for Jesus, prayer was not only about being with his father, but about seeking him for certain directions and answers. Jesus prayed expectantly. We've said uh, that prayer is conversation and they tend to be two-way things. My husband may disagree with that, but generally they tend to be two-way. We talk and we listen. And importantly, in prayer, God talks 
and he listens to us. In fact, later in Luke, in uh, chapter 11, when again Jesus is praying, the disciples, they come to him and they ask him to teach them to pray. The Ammoniates have just done a splendid uh, job of explaining to us about the Lord's Prayer, which he teaches them. I don't think I can add much to that. But after that part we now call the Lord's Prayer, Jesus really emphasizes with several different analogies that we are to come and ask and ask and ask again and to expect God to listen and to act upon what we ask. I was considering this uh, in my preparation and it occurred to me the thing that I ask for most regularly in prayer um, is for my daughter's salvation and for a life of joy in God. Every day I ask for that and I thought why is that that I pray for that? And I think it's for two reasons. Firstly, um, obviously, I love my daughter and I believe that this is the best thing that I can ask for her. And also, it's because I know there is absolutely nothing that I can do to achieve that. I can't save her. I don't know about you, but I pray way more often and passionately for the things that I know I can't achieve on my own. But... Because we live in a very comfortable, independence-promoting, self-reliant society, where frankly many things we can achieve on our own, I wonder if the list of things that we pray passionately and regularly for isn't that long. I mean, even people that uh, claim they don't believe in God uh, say that they pray when things get out of the realm of what they think they can handle or control. Now, I say we live in a comfortable culture, but uh, lately that hasn't been quite so true, has it? The shaking of this past year has led many of us to question where it is we're putting our trust, just as God said was going to happen. I wonder if one thing that we'll learn from this difficult, challenging wilderness time is to come to God and pray expectantly again. To acknowledge that maybe we're not quite as in control as we thought we were. And to realign ourselves to the truth that God is writing this story, not us. And then to ask him to use us as he writes his story. Let's pray expectantly that God will direct us, change us and use us. And so we come to our last example. Uh, Luke chapter 22 now, verses 41 to 46. Just before um, his arrest and his subsequent crucifixion, Jesus prays in the garden of Gethsemane. And it says this, he withdrew to a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed. Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly. His sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. Our final principle of prayer is this. Jesus prayed honestly. Last year, um, we did a series on David. Um, and I spoke about David lamenting, of acknowledging his emotions before God and weeping. And, and here we see Jesus doing the same thing. It says Jesus is in anguish and he asks God to change the plan that he wouldn't have to drink that cup. Jesus doesn't put on a brave face and pretend that it's all good. 
He acknowledges his weakness before the Father. This, I believe, is key. We need to acknowledge again that we are weak. I was speaking uh, recently to my friend Kath, um, and I've asked her to record a short video for us about her experience lately, because I think it really uh, illustrates this point really well. So hopefully that will play now. Hi. I wanted to share with you uh, about my recent realization of living many of my days filled with self-reliance. I have often managed to cope with the day-to-day in my own strength and every now and then when things got hard go back to God for that little bit of grace and be on my merry way I was managing on a surface level to hold it all together that is until recently when I felt like it was all falling apart and I find myself with a decision to make where does my help come from for the last three months I've had really poor health uh, with a lot of fatigue some days getting dressed became a chore. So you can imagine in this season how nervous I felt of my ability to cope as a mother of three young children. I watched as all of the things I found my achievement in slowly started slipping away. No longer able to distract myself by the temporary satisfaction of being in control of my house, my parenting and my own body. I completely came to the end of myself emotionally and all I could do was come to God and cry at his feet. I had little interest or motivation. Most of my usual enjoyments just left me feeling really empty and in God's presence was the only place that I found true peace. I began to find that I just couldn't get through a day without God. I was clinging to him just to face basic tasks. I am learning what it means to truly find rest in him. But if Jesus himself needs time with God, how much more must we? This is a season for things getting shaken up in the whole world. I've really found the words of James 1 a true comfort for me in this time, that the testing of our faith produces steadfastness. So let's choose to seek God in the midst of the disruption. I've been reminded recently that the narrow path that we are taking will require sacrifice and intention and at times hardship. I am fully convinced that these are so worth it to dwell with the King of Kings. I'm learning to take time throughout the day to lift my eyes to him in regular communication and recognizing my need for his grace. In this season, God has really transformed the idea in my mind of why we're called to spend time with him. It is not another rule to just make life less fun, but rather an invitation to step into all that he has won for us and to be fulfilled by him completely. God bless. Thank you, Kath, for sharing that. Um, so honestly with us, um, it's wonderful to see God at work in people's lives. And I know Kath's not the only person um, that's coming along um, on this journey of realizing uh, what it means to be weak before our father. Um, and so we see Jesus as well coming honestly to his father. And yet Jesus submits himself again to the will 
of God. As painful as it is, he chooses to trust in God's plan, not my will, but yours be done, and to find his strength in his father. Jesus's pain doesn't lead him to despair, but to submission. He doesn't get the answer that he wants. Um, so often, I think uh, we come to prayer looking for our answers when God is looking for our hearts. Prayer changes us because it's in intimacy with our Father that our hearts and minds are realigned to the truth. God is in control. It's his story. We spend all day being, being bombarded with what our culture says is truth. We need time in prayer to be reminded that Jesus is truth. So let's pray honestly about how we're feeling and then choose to surrender again to his will. To conclude, let me say this. The goal of prayer is not prayer. Now, I love a checklist. I write one most days and uh, I get a little dopamine kick when I tick off something that I've achieved. And we've said, haven't we, that it does take discipline to come and choose to pray each day. But I think we must take care that prayer in itself doesn't become the goal. Check, done that, move on. The end goal of prayer is relationship with our Father. But as we have seen, maintaining this relationship can be a battle. We have to fight against distractions and against the culture of self-reliance and choose to pray regularly, expectantly and honestly. In a moment, um, we're going to have a song um, from Ollie to help us to uh, respond. A song about choosing to fight our battles in prayer. Um, we've not sung this song before, so feel free to just listen to it and to pray. Um, and also, uh, if reflecting quietly isn't an option for you right now, um, can I encourage you to come back to this song later in the week and to spend some time with God thinking about what it uh, all might mean for you. But before we sing, uh, let me just end with what uh, God said to me uh, in my preparation for this morning, which hopefully will sum up everything that I've just said. This might not be for you, it might not be for everyone, but I know it's a challenge for me um, and I hope it's helpful to many. So God said this, the battle is on. Are we ready to fight on our knees or will we keep trying to stand on our own two feet? To shoehorn him and a relationship with him into our cultural comforts whilst really trusting in the things of this world or are we ready to lay it all on the line? We need to choose to do this every day. It's hard, it's uncomfortable, and it takes time and commitment. The kingdom will come when we surrender to the king. So let's surrender.